Welcome to the Tape Ministry of the Embassy of the Word of God, where God is releasing men and women into exploits through the preaching of the Word of Faith. Be transformed and impacted as you listen to God's Word. Well, bless you, blessed Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you tonight. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for your word is powerful. Thank you because your word come on, comes unhindered. Thank you because we come under the influence and the anointing of the word to deliver, to set free, to save, to, to, to receive the miraculous in the name of Jesus. Lord, I come under anointing to teach and to preach and to minister your word and the grace and the truth of your word. No error in the name of Jesus. Only the truth of the spirit in Jesus name. And all the senses say, Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. And welcome to day two of Word Alive. I'm excited to be with you tonight and also to be bringing the Word of God to you. Something supernatural will hit your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Tonight, once again, we're looking at the unsearchable riches of Christ. And we will be zeroing in on, we'll be zeroing in on the, the power of the cross or the need for the cross. Hallelujah. The need for the cross. Romans chapter five, the verse number seven. Romans chapter five, the verse number seven. Romans chapter five, the verse number seven. I read. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even try, they would dare, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this verse 7 is very, very, very important. While we were yet sinners, Christ died, verse 8, I beg your pardon, is very important. Christ died for us. Then verse number 9, the scripture declares, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, much more, being now, not tomorrow, being now. If you are under the sound of my voice, hearing me, and you are saved, the scripture says that you were justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him, the Christ. Through him, the Christ. Hallelujah. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And yesterday we started looking at how his life brought us into salvation. Hallelujah. The scripture says we were enemies. 
we were aliens. He brought us in. And yesterday we looked at the riches, the riches that are in Christ. And these riches could not be possible unless he had died for us. Glory be to God. Unless he had what? Died for us. Um, yesterday we looked at the book of Ephesians, um, chapter 1. And we, as a way of recapitulation, Ephesians chapter number 1. Um, from the verse number four, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Next verse, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption. This is where I'm coming to. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So the riches, just stop here. In whom we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And this riches of his grace is the same as the riches in Christ Jesus. Now, but this riches, the scripture says, that was predicated on the fact that we were redeemed or we have been redeemed, but we were redeemed through his blood. The, and then, what this did for us was that it gave us forgiveness of sins. If the Bible is yours, underline the word redemption, underline the word through his blood, underline the word the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So the riches of his grace are based on the forgiveness of sins. And that is what we'll be zeroing on tonight. Now, all through scripture, you'll find out that salvation is actually what Christianity is all about. It is not something we start with. We don't start uh, a new converse class with salvation. But when we start our journey in Christianity, we start first with being saved. We're being saved. We whom in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. When the scripture talks about through his blood, what does that mean? Does that mean the blood that was shed or poured on the cross, the blood that he poured during circumcision, the blood that was poured uh, when he was being whipped by the Roman soldiers through his blood? Anytime the scripture talks about through his blood, the scripture is referring to something very significant. It's referring to his death or the kind of death that the Christ will suffer. But why the death? For us to understand the death, why did he die? The answer is in that verse, to bring us forgiveness of sins. But you can never understand forgiveness of sins without first understanding 
the concept of sin. The concept of sin. So this is where we're going to be starting from. We're going to be starting from the book of Genesis. I'm excited tonight because I'm going to be unpacking some things that are bubbling in my spirit. Don't think that the scriptures we are using are scriptures you know, so you know what I'm coming to talk about. You don't, and you fit in. So stay there. Unless you have looked into my notes, you can't tell what I'm coming to talk about. You may have heard the scriptures, but what is coming to you is a different thing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we need to understand the concept of sin. The concept of sin. That takes us to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter 2. And uh, we want to start um, from the verse number 7. And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. Take note of the word pleasant to the sight. And good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Wow. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'll be dwelling a little bit on this verse 9 tonight. If you forget anything, don't forget verse 9. The moment you forget verse 9, go home and sleep. In fact, close that by your Bible and go to bed because you will miss the whole night. Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God, why did God put these trees in the garden? We're talking about matters in Eden. I preached some time ago on matters in Eden. <laughs> now, matters in Eden part two. <laughs> why did God put these trees? Did God put the tree in the garden to tempt man? To make man sin? No. These trees were put in the garden. To reveal God's plan, God's intention for man. When God created the man, God created the man from the dust of the earth. And the scripture says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. The man was created neutral and needed the life of God to come into him. Now, so this important two trees, aside the other trees for food, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were very, very important for the purpose of God and the destiny of God to be established concerning man and therefore humanity. What does the tree of life represent? The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents two characteristics of God. 
they represent two characteristics of God or two attributes of God. The first one, the tree of life, represented God's immortality. And what God wanted the man to eat, he says, of every tree you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you may not eat. Mm. The tree of life represented God's immortality and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented God's superior knowledge. Hallelujah. Represented God's superior knowledge. God forbidding man not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was perfectly good. There was nothing wrong with it. But let's unpack what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. What does the word tree of knowledge of good and evil mean? Does that mean rightness, the opposite of right and wrong? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil comes from a Hebrew word. Let me get that Hebrew word for you. It comes from the Hebrew word tovara. That is T-O-V, tovara. That is T-O-V-W-A-R-A, tovara. Now, tov and vara are two words. And when I was studying, it shows us or indicates nothing to do with morality or moral rightness or wrongness or whether something is right or wrong. No, far from it. It says that this word, good and evil, is an example of a figure of speech. And that figure of speech is called merism or merism. And what it literally means is that it's a literal device that pairs opposite terms together in order to create a general meaning so that the phrase good and evil simply implies everything. Good and evil simply implies everything. (laughs) Now, the word good, which is tobe, means never has, it, it never, I told you it never has to do with morality, right? But it has to do rather with functionality, number one. Two, it has to do with quality. And three, it has to do with organization. It has to do with what? Functionality. It has to do with quality and organization. So the tree of the knowledge of order and disorder is what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. Order and disorder. What it simply meant was that God wanted man to have access first to the tree of life and gain his immortality. After he has gained his immortality, then he would have qualified now to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
which represents God's highest realm of knowledge, of knowing everything, of being able to discern between everything. Hallelujah. Being having the discernment to discern between everything. Now, so we discover that what man did was that God spoke and gave a word and said, of every tree you may eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you may not eat. Then the serpent comes in chapter 3, verse 1, and then asks Eve a very important question. And asks Eve, did God say? Let's go to chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. Oh, woman, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Did it? She didn't mention a name. Yes, the tree in the midst of the garden. So we know she revealed the location of the tree. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. And the word die here means die to die. From the Hebrew. I've taught you that before. Verse number, next verse, please. For God does know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Hallelujah. Knowing what? Good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. So that tells you that this tree was not an ordinary tree. This tree was spiritual. Hallelujah. The scripture says, they both eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. Mm. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Then when God came into the garden to suck them out of the garden, God said something very instructive to the heavenly host. He said, they have now eaten of the tree. They are now like one of us. Now, you should know, definitely, that evil will not be in God. So, if it's a tree of good and evil, and they have eaten of the tree of good and evil, and they are now like one of us to know good and evil, what it meant is that your English language has defeated you from understanding what this meant. What it simply meant was that they now have the ability to decide or to make decisions on everything on their own. They were to eat of the tree of life so that that will qualify them to be able now to make decisions on everything, judge everything with the eyesight of divinity. They chose to do it by themselves. By choosing to eat by themselves, they ate, in other words, they had confidence in themselves than they had 
in what God's purpose and plan for them. So they went out of God's plan. Number one, God gave a word. Satan also gave a word. They chose Satan's word over God's word. Number two, the sin did not originate per se from just eating the fruit. The eating of the fruit is the final result of what they had already had already taken place in their hearts. Remember when Jesus came in Mark, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus told us out of the abundance of the heart a man speaks. And he says, evil and good proceeds from the heart of a man. So it was not necessarily the physical eating of a fruit, but what came out of their heart was evil. Now, did Satan bring evil into the garden? No, it was man that brought it. Romans chapter 5, the verse number 12 gives us an inclination to that. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered. So the origin of sin came from within man. It's that pride, that thing to say, I can do it by myself. I don't need God. So I don't need God's prescription. I can decide on everything by myself. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil means I can make decisions on everything by myself. I don't need God to decide for me what I can make by myself. So today, a man decides I can make the decision to change my gender and become a woman because I feel like I'm trapped in the body of a woman and I become a woman. A man too can say I am trapped in the body of a, a man, um, but I feel like a woman. I make the decision by myself. Another one feels, no, I, I don't think that the beard I have on my face is a symbol of masculinity. So I, I want to scrape it off and, and then put two breasts, two bigger breasts. Then I become something else. I make the decision all by myself. They decide, okay, today I want to drink poison and die. So they go and drink something and die. I'm making the decision all by myself. And God will allow you to make that decision. Why? Because man had partaken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So now they are naked. Naked means they are exposed. Exposed to alien forces. So wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world. And sin came with death. So the origin of sin was where? From man, within man. And inside that man, death also followed that sin. And so death passed upon how many men? All men. For that all have sinned. So men sinned because now we have taken on the nature of the fallen man. So every man that was born right after from Genesis chapter 5, we see that every man that was born was born in the image of Adam, the fallen man, who did not partake of the divine life before partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the tree was not kept away from man. The tree was kept away from man. Man was only supposed to eat the tree at the right time. They ate it at the wrong time. 
they ate it before they ate the tree, before they would have gone to eat of the tree of life. But God says, eat of every tree, including the tree of life. Then after that, you may eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he tells them, don't eat of this, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was for the time. It's the timing. Because eventually, if they had the opportunity to eat it, after eating the tree of life, they would have been able to be immune. But by virtue of taking the word of Satan over the word of God, they gave themselves over to an alien spirit. And by virtue of that, every man became a victim of Satan's, of, of um, Adam's decision. Hallelujah. So man was supposed to eat of the tree of life before partaking of what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hallelujah. Now, so the sin of Adam did not come from the tree. It came from within Adam. Hallelujah. It came from his heart. The sin of Adam was actually not the eating. It was what? The disobedience. It was the disobedience, the rebellion in the heart of man. The rebellion began in his heart. Nowhere else in his heart. This was the reason for the redemption that we needed. This was the reason why man ought to be delivered. But guess what? The, when man ate, man took on the nature of sin. Sin became, man became naturally sin. Man became naturally sin. The nature of sin pervaded, took over man, and therefore produced death. Praise God. Now, so in the garden, God gave man an instruction. You know what that instruction was? The gospel. The gospel. He says, eat of every tree, especially the tree of life. That's the gospel. Man rejected the gospel and said, I will not eat. So he gave man the gospel in the garden. He says, eat freely of every tree. The gospel given to man by grace freely. Grace was available in the garden freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat. It was not something that was going to be perpetual. It was something that was meant to be eaten at the, the right time. The right time of maturity. It's like giving the key of a car to your five-year-old son or to your seven-year-old son and say he can drive. Let him go and drive. It is not yet time for him to drive. That car is his, but it is not time for him to drive. He will drive when he's of age. That's why even the law says when you are of age, you can drive. But the scripture says something. God says the day you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Did Adam die? Yes, Adam died. But he died spiritually. And then also it resulted in the physical death. Praise God. So the act of man believing Satan over God is what is called sin. Is what is called what? Sin. Through one man, sin entered. Ezekiel Sin entered into the world. Sin what? Entered. Romans 5.12. Through one man, sin entered into the world. 
and death by sin. So that sin was called sin or that disobedience. Believing Satan was called sin. Believing Satan was also called an offense. It says, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And I'll talk about that in a moment. So Satan's death affected all men naturally. Naturally, they became sin by nature. Verse 13, please. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. That believing Satan and sinning is also called transgression. Hallelujah. Who is the figure of him that was to come? And so the scripture tells us in that same Romans chapter 5, um, it, it tells us that as the by one man's offense. So this is, but not as the offense. Okay. Go, go, yeah, just go back to where we were. <laughs> Let, let's just take it from where we were. Not as the offense. Never the death reigned from next verse, please, 15. But not as the offense. So that offense was also called what? Transgression. The disobedience was called sin. That sin was called offense. That offense was also called transgression. And that transgression is called disobedience. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift, grace. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. Next verse, please. So it says, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation. So what happened was that what Adam did resulted in what is called condemnation. When God showed up in the garden, he asked Adam, did you touch what I told you not to eat? He says, yes, the serpent told me to eat it. And then I ate it. The man said, it's the woman you gave me. And then by virtue of that, they became naked. As they became aware that they were naked, they also felt condemned. So they went to hide. Why were they hiding? Condemnation, shame, guilt, fear came in. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is a gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So the opposite of the offense would be to be justified or to be declared not guilty. But sin has set a tone. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. So we, we go to the verse, go, go quickly to the verse number. Um, okay, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all, all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification 
of life, the tree of life, justification of life, the tree of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Hallelujah. So the disobedience of one, Adam, made all of us, condemned all of us. The obedience of one will justify all of us. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made what? Righteous. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered. So he's not telling us why the law was given. The law was righteous. The law was God's righteous law. But it was, it came in so that, that the offense might abound. It came in to make man feel unworthy, in, 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 unable to fulfill God's righteous judgment. Because when the law came in, man tried with their personal effort, strength, ability to fulfill the law. And anytime they tried, they broke it. And God said, when you break one, you break all. So the law came in to make man come to the end of themselves. That I am incapable of satisfying God's judgment or God's righteous standard. I need help. So that we can look for help. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Hallelujah. So then it says in verse 21, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So why did Jesus come? The coming of Jesus was to bring man to eternal life. Why did the law come? The law came to bring man to the end of himself that he needs help to be able to stand before a righteous God, a God that must, that anybody that sins must be punished. And the punishment for sin, as we have seen in the garden, by God's judgment was death. Punishable by death. And death reigned. Yet man did not know until the law came. When the law came, the law exposed man to himself. Man could now see visibly. Because the law made man to try to do things to please God. And anytime they tried, they failed. Anytime they tried, no man, the scripture says, no man is righteous before God. Not even one was made, was righteous before God until Christ came. Hallelujah. And when Christ came, he came to fulfill the law. Hallelujah. So when he came, he says, I did not come to condemn or to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And when he fulfilled it, he became that righteous um, demand that God needed. Because a dilemma took place. When Adam sinned, God is right and just and must punish sin. The punishment for sin is death. But at the same time, God is loving and must love man. And the only way to love man is to redeem man or to buy back man to himself. But man, by the law, we can see, has not, not got the well without to be able to fulfill this. So what must God do? God must find a solution. 
And the solution must deal with a two-type problem. The first problem it must deal with was sin as a nature. And the second problem was that he must deal with sin as an act. He must deal with sin as a principle. He must deal with sin as a practice. How was God going to do this? Now, when we talk about death, many would think death meant somebody would have to just fall down and die. No. Death actually just simply means separation or disconnect from source. Ephesians 2 verse 1 gives us an inkling into that. Ephesians 2 1 says that, and you has he quickened. The word quickened there means brought alive. Who were dead in trespasses and what? And sins. We were dead. The death was in trespasses and what? Sins. Akin to what Adam did. Verse 2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our conduct in time past, in the last of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature. By what? Nature. By what? Nature. The children of wrath. The children appointed unto condemnation. The children appointed unto destruction. Even as others. So will God today allow people to go to hell? Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Why? Because every man that is born after the order of Adam by nature is assigned unto wrath. Assigned unto condemnation. Unless they make that choice. And that choice is to accept the only solution that have been made available for all men that were children of wrath by nature. Hallelujah. So the sin of man became what? Every man's sin. Adam's sin became what? Every man's sin. The law was introduced, like I told you, to reveal sin and made sin so clear such that man can see his inability to obey God's righteous judgment. So Adam's sin and its consequences became man's responsibility. Now, is it possible? Is it true that when this happened, this affected every man? Of course. It affected, if it is by, by nature, the scripture says, we were children of wrath. It simply meant that it affected the, the, the core of humanity. Because it was, every man was not born like Adam was born. Every man came as the product of Adam. Adam was formed. Every man came through the product of what? Adam. So the scripture makes it clear that through Adam's sin, all became sin. Praise God. We were all sinners by nature because we were all natural men, just like Adam. Adam was born a natural man. The scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that the man from heaven is what is a spiritual man. 
Praise God. So man lost his nature in God. Genesis 5.3 will tell us that. Man lost his nature in God. Sin must now be seen in two lights. Like I told you, sin as a nature and sin as what? As a practice. So God has to declare man, deliver man from sin. And God has to also forgive man of sins. Two things must happen with sin. God has to deliver man from sin. God has to also what? Forgive man of sins. To deliver man from sin has to do with the nature of man as sin. To forgive man of sins has to do with the acts of sin, the practice. So sin before sin, right now, Jesus had to deal with the root of sin when he came. And then he also had to deal with what? The fruit of sin. So the root of sin, the fruit of sin. Jesus is coming, dealt two blows to sin. The root of sin and the fruit of sin. Hallelujah. Because man now has become sin. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. Man has become what? Sin by nature. By nature. For he has made him to be sin. Man has become sin. So he has to make him who was coming to take our place to become sin. So he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The opposite of sin is righteousness. So well, if God made him sin and we took his place and we became what he was, the righteousness of God in him, it can only happen in Christ. Hallelujah. This is what we call the riches of Christ. His mercy. His great mercy that he extended towards us. His great mercy. His great mercy that he extended towards us. But the visitation of mercy was not the basis for which he forgave us. Mercy brought Christ. But mercy was not the reason why he forgave us. Because sin according to God, is judicial. Sin, according to God, is judicial. Sin is legal. Sin has nothing to do with, oh, please, you know, when you do something against your father, you go and say, oh, please, please forgive me. I will do it again. Oh, daddy, I will do it again. Oh, I will do it again. And daddy will forgive you. Based on your remorse, you have changed. You have shown signs. You have come to cry before me. So as your father now, now I will extend my hand of mercy to you. No. When it comes to God, your crying or not crying doesn't change anything about his forgiveness. Because it is judicial. And we're going to look at that in a moment. Praise God. So Jesus became what man was to deal with what man is. Jesus became what man what was in order to deal with what man 
was. And in order also to deal with what man does, the root, the fruit, the root, the fruit. Hallelujah. So the nature of sin can be, can be dealt with only on the basis of deliverance. Deliverance from sin. Whilst the sins that a man commits can be dealt with on the basis of forgiveness. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I told you, you didn't hear what I am preaching before. You may have heard it another way, but it is a different way. So listen and pay attention. Hallelujah. So man needs deliverance from sins and forgiveness of sins. Man needed deliverance from sin and forgiveness from sins. Hallelujah. What all men needed is what is common to the rich, to the poor, to the black, to the white, to the European, to the un-European, to the Russian, to the Ukrainian, to the British, to the African, to the tribe that no none of us know of, to some tribe somewhere else. Why? Because sin is a common problem for all men. That is why you can't preach the gospel. Come to Christ so that you can have money. Your gospel will be irrelevant when you go to Dubai. When you see how men have made money look like money look useless. Gold is useless. Gold is what people are wearing as shoes. People are using them. I mean, they, they bath in golden golden bath you will see that money is useless you can't preach that kind of gospel and save an arab a sheikh that has money or you tell i heard a story before that was very interesting i hear one man um, that worked for a rich man went to the rich man to to, to evangelize to the rich man so what did he do he showed pro, um, testimonies and our testimonies are more about how God blessed me with the car, how God blessed me with the child, how God blessed me with the wife, how God blessed me with the husband, how God did not bless me with the husband. Those are our testimonies. Unfortunately, that is not testimony at all. It has nothing to do with the grand scheme of the, of the things God wants to do for you. Hallelujah. It has nothing. How God gave me a car, how God did not give, I don't even know where that gospel came from. In the, so he went to show the man a tract, and in the, on the tract, somebody has written that I came into this church, I was poor, and now God has blessed me with a Tokumbo car. You know Tokumbo? And a second hand car. The man looked at the flyer. He says, is this how much your God can pay? I can pay better than this. I don't need your God. The open door has been closed. The man needs to know that he is, he is bankrupt of God's mercy, God's grace. He needs to be saved or he's going to hell. So the gospel is not for 
whether I'm getting this or I'm not getting this. That was not the gospel. The essence of the gospel is that the gospel must meet the need of sin and sins. If it does not meet the need of sin to save a sinning man, it is not the gospel. You can't preach any other thing. If you preach money, some people have more money than you have. If you preach that they should be healed, some people have never been sick all their life. They don't understand what that means. If you preach any other thing aside this, the gospel will be meaningless. So Jesus' assignment was for salvation. The scripture tells us, for this purpose was he, he came into the world, that all men would be saved. And so when he met Nicodemus, he says what? The, he told Nicodemus in John 3.16, for God so, uh, John 3.16, I mean, he tells him, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should know what? Perish. Perish from what? From eternal damnation. Because when man sinned, man became sin. And that corrupted man, the nature of man became sin. But it became spiritual sin. Man needs to be delivered from spiritual death. Disconnect from God. Then he will also be delivered from the sins. Hallelujah. So, the, uh, um, he will be able to be forgiven of his sins. I beg your pardon. Now, so, if we can preach this. So, he told Nicodemus in John 3, 3, 3. He says, what? Well, a certain man be born again. He can never see the kingdom of God. Now, we think Easter is just preaching about the cross and going to hunt for eggs. No, 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 no. The cross is more potent than anything else. The cross has to do with his blood. The blood has to do with the life of a man that was Taken, slain. Jesus was killed. He was murdered. For the sin of men. He was killed. He was murdered. For the sin of men. This is why he came. He says for this reason. John in John 1.29 puts it this way. He says behold the lamb of God. That taketh away the sins of the world. That taketh away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He was a lamb that was, that was, that, that was taken to the slaughter. Isaiah prophesied about him in Isaiah 53 and, and he says, who shall believe our report? Isaiah 53 from verse 1. He says, for he shall, he says, who shall believe our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Hallelujah. He says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. On the cross, he was degraded. So much of his beauty was taken away. So much of his humanity was taken away. Look, when we talk about what happened tomorrow, I'll be talking about what happened on the cross. What happened on the cross was more degrading than anything we can ever think. Now, what the artist depict by putting a small cloth around his middle side was not what Jesus was. He was stripped naked. His everything was hanging. Everything was a pop of blood. Shame was all that was around him. No man could, no, they couldn't look at him. 
Can you imagine the man that was so revered? Mary Magdalene couldn't look at him on the cross. Mary, the Mary, the mother could not look at him on the cross. The women turned their eyes away. The men that knew him went to look to be sure whether he was the one. Because by the time he came out of the scourging room of the Romans, what they have done to him, he was a pop of blood. He was no more human. So he says he's despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. They could not look at him. He's talking about the cross. They could not look at him. Because the man that was hanging there was at the epitome of shame. The epitome of shame. The epitome of shame. The highest form of shame you can ever think of. The highest and gruesome, most gruesome, painful death any man could ever experience. I'll talk about that tomorrow. He was despised and we esteem him not. Yeah. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Now the scripture tells us this. What happened to him? was done to him, not by the Romans, not by the Jews. It was God himself afflicting him. Why? Because man had become sin. And man's sins need to be taken away. He needs to be delivered from sin. And also need to be forgiven his sins. And for that to happen, God was in a dilemma. Man has become sin. He can't deliver himself. Man does not have the world without. He tried him, them man with the law. Man could not even fit in. So, a loving God that loved the whole world must love man, but at the same time must punish man for sin. How was he going to do this? To do this, he decided to step out of himself. And became a man. So John 1, 1 tells us in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. 14 says and the word became flesh. Now the scripture tells us that he came unto his own. And his own received him not. Verse, I think verse 11. Verse 10, 11 there. Hallelujah. He came unto his own. He was in the world. And the word was made by him. And the word knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. The verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Hallelujah. Then we go on, and it talks about us in the verse number 14. The word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, which is truth. Full of grace, which is truth. So these two realities must be fulfilled. Sin as, 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 as sin as a nature. So the writer of Romans, in Romans chapter 1, the verse number 6, had they began to ask a question. They said, when Paul came, Paul preached grace. And Paul said, among whom are ye all as, Romans 6, 1, please. Not 1, 6, Romans 6, 1. Among, then the scripture tells us, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Take note, he's not saying, shall we continue sinning? He says, shall we continue in sin as a nature? That grace may abound, because that is what they were saying, that he's preaching liberality. Verse 2, then he says, God forbid. That's not what I mean. 
how shall we that are dead to sin? Now, so what did Jesus do? Leave any longer therein. When Jesus came, he came to die. To die. Because the punishment for sin is death. So his death became our death. And when he died, we also died to sin. And when he resurrected, the scripture says, we resurrected unto life. So we are no more in sin. Sin is no more a nature in the man that has believed the gospel. That has accepted Jesus as his Lord and personal Savior. Sin as a nature has been taken care of. Hallelujah. So I am dead to sin. I am no more in sin. Sin is no more a barrier to the man that is born again. That is why we can preach and say confidently, sin is not what will take a man to hell today when you are born again. What takes men to hell is not sin. What? Because sin has been dealt with. What will take a man to hell is refusing Jesus that has become Lord over that sin. Because he has been made Lord over sin. Lord over hell. Lord over death. So the Lordship of Jesus is what a man needs. Hallelujah. And when he died, we died. When he died, we died. There is that concept that when he became sin, in other words, he identified with man as sin. It's called identification. That principle is called identification. His death was me dying. He died as me. So when he resurrected, he resurrected as me. Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus, were baptized into what? His death. So his death was my death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. So we walk in newness of life today because he died as my death. When he died, I died. When he resurrected, I resurrected. The new life that he gave, that he has, is my life. So that's why the writer of Colossians says, When Christ, who is our life, Colossians 3, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we shall be like him. Glory be to God. Christ is my life. Christ in me, the hope of glory. His new life is my new life. This took care of sin as a nature. Hallelujah. We have been planted together in identification. Christ died as me. But in substitution, Christ died in my place. When he died, it was actually me that died. It's called identification. His death was actually my death. And this death, his death actually was my death and brought me freedom. Go back to that Romans chapter 6 from verse 5. Hallelujah. So the deliverance from death is called freedom. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. When he died, he died as me. 
His death was my death. I was a dead man. We were dead in sins. When he came and quickened me. When he died, I died. That was my death. When he rose, I rose. The punishment for sin was that God must punish sin. God is a just God that must punish sin. And the punishment of sin was that man will have to pay for sin. So on the cross, he cried as man. God that became a man cried and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because the eyes of the eternal God, the holy God, cannot look unto sin. He turned his eyes away from him. But when he resurrected, he resurrected with newness of life. I was delivered from sin and from death. Colossians 1.13 tells us that. He says, We have been delivered. Hallelujah. Who has delivered us? From the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So what took place in the birth of Christ is not as powerful as what took place in the resurrection. What took place in the resurrection, I told you before, is the expense of all of God's power, all of God's glory, all of all of God's megaton power was put on display to bring that man out of the grave as a new man. When he came out of the grave as a new man, the Bible says he brought the two to become one man. The new creation in Christ Jesus. And I became a new creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things. You know all things? All things. Everything has become new. In other words, I've moved away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I've stepped into the tree of life now. Now, I have the discernment of the spirit. By the spirit of God, I can judge all things. That's why the scripture tells us, according to Paul, Paul says, the man that is born again, the man of the spirit, is able to judge all things, but is judge of none. Because I've now stepped in. I am in the right time now to partake of the fruit, the tree of what? The knowledge of good and evil. I can judge all things, yet judge by nothing. Hallelujah. If God be for us, if Christ be for us, who can be against you? Are you hearing me, somebody? This is the gospel. This is what gave us power. He translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We have been delivered. We have been set free. Freedom has come to you. You and I have been set free. He that the son has made free is free indeed. We have been delivered. That is why deliverance is not is not casting out devils. Deliverance is what Christ did on the cross. He took man from the dungeon of darkness. From the dungeon of the pit of hell. We were on head on collision with utter destruction and brought us out. That is the deliverance of man. He delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. This is what is called freedom. Let's go back to Romans chapter 6. We'll be finishing there. Romans chapter 6, um, the verse number 6. Hallelujah. Knowing this, tell your neighbor, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. The old man, the old man, the man born after the nature of Adam, the old man has been crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. The power of sin has been destroyed. Anybody that chooses to sin now is a choice. 
It's not because you don't have the power. It's your choice. The power of sin has been destroyed. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. Hallelujah. Verse number 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. <laughs> that is the truth. He that is dead is free from sin. When you are dead, you, you, if they pinch you, you are dead. Hallelujah. Sin can pinch you, you are dead. The mortuary men will tell you, those that work in the mortuary, that when they bring men fresh that are dead, sometimes they can be dead for hours, dead, and then they wake up and start walking. How can a dead man be walking? Walking dead. They can't, and then they will tell you, hey, my friend, you are dead. Go back to bed. Go back. Go back to sleep. And then they go back to sleep. Sometimes they can be outside and then be hearing people moving. Brata la baba. Yeah, that's it. We said the file, the file may still be there. So you find a believer still behaving beside themselves. It doesn't mean you are, that is you. You are not that thing. Hallelujah. So God delivers us from sin. The death of Christ delivered us from sin. But his death also forgave us our sins. Romans chapter 4, the verse number 25. I might be ending there tonight. Liko prasalalabaya. Oh, leka la 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 konde lele kletolo salalaika lado zela lakua tale ante. Who was delivered for our offenses when he died, when he was given to die, it was for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. When he was raised up, this is when we were declared not guilty. His death was not enough. His resurrection was what consummated in our justification. If he did not resurrect, we would still be in our sins. That's what Paul preached in 1 Corinthians. That if Christ be not risen, then are we of all men most miserable. It's not just enough that he died. Death was okay. But he needed to be resurrected. That's why all of God's power was put into the resurrection of Christ. And when he resurrected, we resurrected. His resurrection took care of our sins. The sin nature. And when he resurrected, he also paid the price for our forgiveness. The word forgiveness comes from the Greek word aphasis. It means to pay the price to be forgiven. Now, I want to say something before I close. Does forgiveness of the believer predicate on whether you ask God, please God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm, I'm very, very sorry for my sins. All of my sins that I've committed. No, no, no. You became a sinner, not by your fault. You became a sinner by default. And so the same way, you are saved by the default setting of Christ. When he, he was delivered for our offenses, he paid the price for our sin and also paid the price for our forgiveness. First John 1, 
7, let's start from 7 to 9. Oh, Makalebosha. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He says what? The blood. If we walk in the light, which means that these are people that are already were in the light. As he is in the light. Then he says, if we have fellowship with one another, then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, not the one that will be shed again, the one that has already been what? Shed. Continu- he says, cleanses. Cleanses is a continuous term. Continues to cleanse us from all sin. If we say then that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You're walking in the light. Yes, he says that if you say you have no sin, that means that the believer today, this is not a license to sin, but whether you like it or not, you will wallow in some things. The file is still there that needs to be deleted. The way the file is deleted is through the renewing of the mind as we are washed by the blood. So I beg your pardon, by the word. The word of God washes you and begins to continue to cleanse us and renew us. This is how Christ is coming for his church. He says he's coming for his church that is without wrinkle and without spot. In other words, the cleansing process is through the word. The word brings cleansing. Hallelujah. The blood also cleanses, but the word brings cleansing so that what has been done by the blood will be synchronized with what the word is doing in you today. If we confess our sins. Now, this word confess our sins here. The scripture says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the way it has been rendered you would think that it meant that unless you go and say, Father, I am sorry. Lord, please forgive me. I'm very sorry. God does not deal with sin on the basis of your emotion. He deals with it on the basis of his law, his justice. Anybody that sins must be punished. But the punishment have been paid for. So what does it mean But if we confess our sins? It means when you come to that place of acknowledgement. Now, the place of acknowledgement, does that also still mean the place of where I have to go and be sorrow for sin? Please, Lord, I'm sorry for sin. How many of the sins? Which of them? Which number? It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just. To forgive us our sins. Not sin now. Sins. And to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. Go to chapter 2 for me. I think this is the last verse, isn't it? Then chapter 2, verse 1. It says, my little children. These things write I unto you. That ye sin not. But it says, and if any man sin." We have an advocate. It says the children will sin. Children. 
will sin. But he said, if this, this things right eye unto you that ye sin not, but in case any of you sin, the death of Christ took care of the forgiveness of sins. No sin in the Old Testament, I think I've taught you before, was ever left unpunished. It was left waiting for Christ. That's why in the Old Testament, they never remitted sin. Sin was covered. It was called covering. Whatever they did through the lambs that were slaughtered on the altar was to cover sins. For the forbearing of Christ, the scripture tells us in Romans that he forbore it, God forbore it until Christ came and paid for it. So every sin from whenever Adam up until the last time when Christ died and into eternity future have been paid for. He paid for it with his blood. Tomorrow we'll talk about how he paid for it what? Once and for all. Yesterday we talked about it. How many times did he pay for it? Once and for all. The Old Testament says we're doing it yearly. He paid for it what? Once and for all. Now it says, my little children, this things right down to you that ye sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. One that speaks for you. Who is that? Jesus, the righteous. Verse 2. Very important. And he is the payment, propitiation, for our, what? Our sins, the fruits. And not for our sins only. So his death, his blood, paid for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So it did a twofold work. It took care of the sins of those in the whole world. And then it took care of the sins of the believer today. My little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, you have an advocate. You have one that speaks for you. Now, it is not based on, oh father, I've done it again. That tomorrow you go and do this. Oh, Father, I've done it again. No, 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 no. Your acknowledgement that the power of that thing has been removed. That you can live without the influence of that thing. Backdated, connected to your advocate, the Christ, the righteous, and what he's, he did. Christ looks, God looks at Christ's righteousness to forgive you. Not because you. That came to cry. That God that is all knowing knows that tomorrow. In fact by the time you are turning your back. You are doing the next worst one. He looks at the righteous Christ. Your advocate. And he forgives you. So forgiveness for the believer is received. We receive forgiveness. Because it has already been what? Paid for. So don't we ask for forgiveness? Your father, yes, you can ask your earthly father for forgiveness. But God, you receive forgiveness because it has been offered. It's part of the package. That's why it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to him that is where Repatalalalababa, 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 Mekapratalabadabaha, Mantalibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibib
We give you praise tonight. We worship you, Lord. Come on, lift up your voice and thank Him. Come on, lift up your voice and thank Him. Let's thank Him tonight. Oh, for his great love, wherewith he has loved us. For his great love, wherewith he has loved us. For his great love, wherewith he has loved us. Appreciate him tonight. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him praise. Give him glory. Thank him tonight. Oh, we thank you. No prasata la la banda, zelileko barasa la laiga, ah la kuatata, la katala la ba, leka la babanda, leka la 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 baba, rekatala la 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 baba, eka bando lobobonda. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you praise. We honor you tonight. Take all the glory. Take all the praise. Take all the praise. Nobody greater, nobody greater than you. If you're not sure that you are born again, but you want Jesus to be resident as the Holy Spirit, he says, Soon you will not see me. That's his death. But he says, Soon you will see me because I go to the Father. The only way we can see him is through the Holy Spirit. If for any reason you want to receive Jesus into your heart, I want to pray for you quickly now wherever you are just pray this prayer with me declare with me father let the spirit of god come into me let me not be the same i ask oh god that make me a new creation through the work of regeneration through the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ father i receive into my spirit a new spirit i am a new creation from today i refuse to be the son and the daughter of the devil i receive from today the spirit of sonship therefore i take dominion thank you for the gift of salvation thank you for the gift of salvation father i ask that the holy spirit will come into me strong in the name of Jesus. Now pray this prayer me. Declare me in the name of Jesus. If you don't speak in tongues. Declare me in the name of Jesus. By the evidence of speaking in tongues. I received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And with the outward manifestation. To begin to speak in tongues. Now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit. I receive the gift of speaking in the Holy Ghost. Now. Couldn't find one to compare To your grace, your love, your mercy